Question. Studies show that students were successful when they utilized varied and more effective learning strategies in their learning. What's your learning strategy? How would you incorporate others? And everyone is unique. And learning that is geared towards students' uniqueness will facilitate greater success. What teaching strategy do you incorporate in your teaching to facilitate a student's uniqueness? And the sit down with Dante Nelson and Ronaldo McKenzie on writing, learning, and pragmatist dilemma and faith. This is coming up next on the Near the Burr Round podcast with Ronaldo McKenzie and Dante Nelson.
So as we talk about power and the dynamics of society, looking at the challenges of society, some time ago we talked about committed spirituality. Some people look to cow worship. Some people look to Jesus. Some people look to Allah, to Jehovah, Yahweh, and whatever the experience is. You tap into that. And you will find the motivation that you need. And the intervention is, will present itself. So, I'm, I tell you, I'm working on this book, Secrets to Unlocking Divine Intervention, as it's, which is going to be part two of the book, Power, Privilege, Status, and Position, looking at how power and its strategies poses problems for progress and the human dynamics in society. We'll be right back after these messages. Next segment coming up on the Neoliberal Round podcast, season four, episode eight. Dante Nelson is actually the lead host. Um, of course, he is the co-host and co-producer of this episode of the Neoliberal Round podcast. But this particular ep- um, next episode, you will hear him beginning the conversations. And we had a sit down for about 30 minutes. And it we talked about... Uh, and rambled on about several different things, but they were quite deep and quite powerful and quite interesting. And, um, it, and, and I hope that you spend some time to, to listen to this particular discussion that, um, that was facilitated and produced by Mr. Dante Nelson. Here, here, here is the next segment coming up, the sit-down with Dante Nelson and Ronaldo McKenzie. Welcome to the welcome to the sit down with Renato McKenzie and Dante Nelson. Wondering <laughs> about some thoughts that come to mind. You know, we want to 
go deeper into into what is what. <laughs> oh, I thought I didn't know what you were deeper into. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> in the idea, in, well, different ideas. I mean, we, we were just having a, an amazing discussion about several things just now. Um, but first of all, talking about how I never had any idea that I would publish a book or that I would write, let alone an academic textbook, 400 pages that is research. And yes. not only that, it was reviewed as being an economic, an era that economic analysis, it was then number one in. Um, and when it just came out on Amazon and deconstructivist history and critical philosophy and and you know several people have read it and like it and going to be doing a presentation it's an academic text of October 2012 yes it is you know, it's a great book a um, great book from a great mind a great a great professor <laughs> a great critical thinker actually George the Poet who is a poet um, you know, he actually also works at the BBC and he does podcasting. I think he got a, I know, his podcast got an award, podcast award in the UK. But um, he read my book and um, he, I think I'm going to put, well, not think, I will be having an interview, sit down with him. Um, on, I think it's September, what, September 6th, October 6th, I apologize. So, and you guys will hear more about that when that comes. I'm looking forward to, to that. But he said that it was one of the best books he's ever... One of the... One of the best books he's read so far in terms of its treatment of post-independent Jamaica um, and the post-colonial world. Looking at the global self, global north dynamic and how... Um, these post-independent post-colonial countries have to deal with, navigate and deal with that and, uh, but of course the book is a two-part book there's a second part of the book, part two I mean, the second part of this book one here looks at the American scenario and look at the efficacy of the resistance movement I'll go deeper into it in the second edition which is about to come out nearly well considered but I mean the, the idea of this whole discussion is saying that I didn't know anything about until um, I met up with a professor, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, when I was at the Jamaica Theological Seminary, and I take my learning very seriously. I'm very strategic with how I learn, I take my learning seriously. Not only am I seeking to get an A or a B, I'm always, I'm seeking to learn. I grew up in humble beginnings, I grew up in, with, uh, you know, I grew up where knowledge, there was not much information, and I just, I, I had a thirst for knowledge. My mom would tell you, when I was a little boy, and she worked at the library at the time, she worked at the library for years. She she worked as a as a senior senior library um, official. I think she worked as a she was deputy assistant to the like to the seat chief of staff or something like that. But I always wanted to get nonfiction books, and she's like, "Why are you always taking nonfiction books?" And I'm like, "Okay, fine. I read the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and." Charlie, the chocolate factory. Um, of course, um, later on I read um, other books, but uh, but I loved that. Uh, but I never thought that I would write. I never thought I would. But now I writing is easy for me now. I find writing easy, and when I sit down to write, I think about it in a particular because 
Let me tell you, writing is a skill that you develop. It's not something that comes easy. You have to develop the writing and you have to read. He said, you can't write if you haven't read because you see how people write. You see how, you know, and then you engage society and humanity. And, you, you know, and I'm a student of liberal arts and liberal studies. I tell people, so it's, 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 you know, I mean, when my, my professor asked me to, to that, well, say that he's going to give us bonus points if we write in this ethics class if you submit a letter to the green and get it to the, to the, to the major newspaper and get it published right, right. jumped at it because I wanted that extra bonus point I don't <laughs> mind I love to work and I submitted the paper the paper was the letter was letter of the day and what's crazy I would have been as a student just hearing yeah. you know the uh, the prize and yeah. and you know and and the work and there was and you know put forth and I would have just watched a student <laughs> you know just be excited to take on that task knowing that I would have wanted to try but I didn't push myself to you know and put up their hand first <laughs> I wish they were <laughs> different you know I wish I took raise their hand you know just a little quicker or just We'll raise the hand, period. Yeah. Because I I, I, I thought about it. Mm-hmm. But why am I thinking if I... I'm thinking because I want to do it and I want to know, but yeah. I'm starting to overthink it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My thinking process is, is taking too long when I have already thought of something. Why am I thinking beyond, <laughs> you know, <laughs> beyond that? Now it's messing up. And they were starting to mess up my whole, you know, that confidence that I had already, and it started to have me in doubt a little without me even knowing, because I'm just saying, oh, okay, well, <laughs> that's, that's not, like, that's not for me, but how does, how would I know it's not for me? You know, oh, it's not for you. I mean, as far as, as far as, I, yes, acapella. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, as far as, as far as just the work, you yeah, know, like just, just going ahead and, and doing the extra credit work. Yeah, because I would just do assignments that would be assigned to me, and and, and that the extra credit mm-hmm. would be, you know, like essays and this and that and so forth, and I wouldn't push myself to, mm-hmm. you know, like to accomplish. Writing essays, I would write essays, but it wouldn't be in perfect form. I would have to go back and edit, you know, and, and fix my quotation marks and, and fix my grammar. But if I, if I would have done that, I would have improved yes. my writing. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it, it's a process, though. It's not a one. It's not. It's something you have to develop, and you have to think about. You also you think about your audience. But you also think about you. you think about what is, when you read something. What is it? What are you looking for? And then sometimes people don't know what they're looking for because they haven't developed. They develop that aspect of themselves. But then you know. But I said to you. But anyways, I jumped at that idea. And of course, we did talk about ethical dilemmas, which is damned if you do, damned if you don't, and how a, a kind of American pragmatism helps to create the dilemmas and, and the general 
evaluations that people put on things and the, what kinds of benefits to be derived also helps to make that dilemma starker, you know. Uh, but anyways, but of course we talk about preserving a life is the highest ethic. But anyways, moving beyond that, moving beyond that, so here we are now, I'm writing a second book. <laughs> and of course, I, I give God thanks for people like Rita Bernard and Rita Bernard is that pen, life, cinema, globalization, that like, she was amazing. Uh, people like Martin Oppenheimer, Walter Litt, Philippe Bourgeois. These people, man. I, I mean, I'm telling you, at Penn, there are, I can name the, pe- the professors who really influenced me. The fact that I can call their names easily. Those names, are those people who I just called, they were fundamental to developing and shaping my mind helping to, I mean, to bring polish to my, because I was always radical and challenging my thought and so on and so forth. But they really brought, you know, brought a little bit more intellectual, intellectualism and academia out of me. And when, of course, and I'm a little bit, okay, but I also think in terms of youth, I also think in terms of tectonic way, the 21st century, you know, being flexible, moving beyond traditionalism and stuff, you know. Yeah, because I can say so as well. Like, you know, that I'm in college. I'm one, what back in college and, you know, going forth and, and actually doing my major. And I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited. Because I've been trying to get back to school since 2019. And I just lost. I just lost. I, I, I lost faith in it. And, you know, I've grown a lot. I've talked to academic advisors and everything. Like, like education and everything like I, I wanted to give it in school I, like I just felt like I'm just turning my life apart like I'm, I'm, I'm hanging around a crowd but I tell every person to you know if you have an opportunity to go to college you should and some people's education and how they performed in high school doesn't prepare them for college but um, that is why people like those should have very strong people in their lives to help them strong mentors strong support okay to whom much is given much is required so I believe that I'm a strong support in your life to help guide you I'm sick okay you will complete college okay and I will fill the gap God has blessed me tremendously okay I teach college students sometimes and I'm going to ensure that you you get through your college work and that you pass and um, and if you are a blessing in my life of course I do Alright, I mean, I'm, I am not rich, but I am rich. <laughs> okay, and he does bring me in, in my life to fill or, or, or to handle my financial, right. my financial problem. He, he brought you in to fill the, the hole that I have with him. Well, you know, I, I told you earlier, I'm a man of faith. I prayed, and there, and here you are. Okay, I, I'm telling you, when I pray, things happen, and people think I am joking when I say that. When I pray, things happen. Sometimes it happens right away, and sometimes it doesn't happen because, because you know why? God said, "That's not the prayer I want for you." 
So then over time, the prayer changes, and then I ask him, and then it changes right away. And then, That's not the prayer I have for you. Let's hold out a little bit longer. <laughs> because, and then your prayer changes. And then when your prayer changes, then I'm telling you, people don't... I mean, and I'm, I shouldn't speak, and I'm not speaking... Well, that's, that's my experience for myself. I no, sorry to cut you off, but <clears throat> when when you brought up when you had brought up praying, yes. you know, like you you pray for what you want, you know, you, yeah. you pray for forgiveness and this and that. Um, I used to do that a lot. Uh, I I've started, and you know, to pray. I'm. I've never lost my faith, but I I've started to pray. Yeah. Um. I I started to speak to and speak to my father. You know, on one on one occasions, but <laughs> I don't I don't know why I have stopped. And it's crazy because I'm about to get somewhere where I'm going. And I'm already thinking. I say that my father God, he can't handle certain things, he can't resolve certain things. Yeah. But I tell myself and I know that he can do all things. So am I contradicting myself by saying I have faith and telling myself that he can't come in and come in between situations and and resolve it and make it okay. When I know that he can do all that. Yes. Yeah, I think one day we had a little discussion about that. Yes. Of course, that can do all things. And that's... And because I know that, that's what has helped me. That has guided me and that has kept me strong. You know? Sometimes people see me and they say... Why do you do those Why do you go out of a lane to do something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, God is guiding me and taking me to where He wants me to be and what He wants me to do. And I prayed a prayer when I was a little boy, and that is exactly what's happening. I'm telling you, I remember when I was 16, I was in my bedroom, and I said, Mom, I'm confused. I don't know what I want to do with my life. He said, just go out and pray and read the scriptures and ask God what you want to ask God. So I said, okay. 16 years old now, and I was, I put, and at 16, I was such a young man of prayer. And I was praying, praying, and I was praying for hours in my bedroom, crying and seeking and asking God if, God, if you are there, God, if you are, you know, and I had a sense of the divine that which is beyond that which is 
bigger than me, you know. Yes. I had a sense of that. And um, so I prayed and I read the scriptures and it's as if I went sometime you uh, whether coincidentally or whether by the spirit I got to a scripture and I read it and it said you shall go to the north something about going to the north you shall go to the north you shall go to the north and you shall invest in my people and you shall do great things in my name I will never forget that and when I I was reading and I I as if God was speaking it is it I sense God speaking to me and I sense some I, I cannot explain it was many years ago as if God that and I went to my mom and said, hey, God mom, I don't understand. I said, okay, I think I finally got the answer. I'm reading it's I'm confused. I have no intention of going to the US or Canada or anything like that. But it's I sense and I heard a voice saying that I'm going to be living in the US or something. I'm going to the North to ministry or to do work there. And I mean, that's weird. I have no intention. I really, I never, I did not want to live in the US. <laughs> I did not want to leave Jamaica. I thought right. I was going to do ministry in Jamaica and work in Jamaica. And I never had no, I was, even after that experience, I forgot about it. And, um, you know, I had an opportunity to come to the U.S. and I turned it down. Um, and my mom was like, well, why didn't you apply? Why didn't you? I said, mm, I'm just not ready yet. I'm just not about that yet right now. <laughs> and I finished my degree and then I went into, then I became a pastor after I, I joined that ministry of formation at the United Church and became a pastor. And, then I went to Cayman Islands and, you know, did some mission work in St. Lucia, did some work in Lucia. Then I got knocked into go to Missouri. I'm like, wow, all of a sudden, it just happened that here am I now in Missouri. I still never remember that. And it was just an exchange. I was just an exchange student. I, start, I was a, starting to be a pastor. And that was part of it. After I, after I got my bachelor's and that was... Wait, where? That exchange student work. Um, but I was it's an exchange program, so to speak, because I finished my <coughs> degree, my first degree. Then I was then when you went you know to be a pastor, you don't just graduate from college. You have to you know go through a ministerial formation program. Um, and when I it's like I went I did another year of college and then I also did a, a ministerial formation. And part of that experience was going to go to do an international program, so I to go into Church of Scotland, Africa. I was in the US because I was in youth ministry and so I went to develop and they were also want the church to make uh, wanted to develop the denomination they wanted to develop the youth ministry program and it's also a way to look at how they do camping and other programs and also to 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 share our uh, to share how we do camps and programming and stuff. It was very experiential. I learned how to do low group activities, high group activities, 
sports facilities, archery and various camp activities like archery, rowing. I was a lifeguard, swimming. Um, what? It was really good. Um, it was great. I, I, uh, I've always wanted to be a lifeguard when I was younger. Yeah, but so I, I, I never knew how to swim. <laughs> but I did all of that. You know, so who am I going to save? <laughs> it was really good. And then I came back to Jamaica. I came back to went back to Jamaica, and then I had a major, a major incident happen with me, and I had to come to the US, and I've been here ever since, and it's been great. God has, I've been going. I, it hasn't been easy though. I've had a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges. But I'm telling you, God has been there. And when I needed Him, and I go to, and I say, "Oh my God, has God is always there, guiding me." Always. And so. I have, I must give God thanks for where I am and what he's doing in my life and what's next in my life and there's so much happening, I, I took a break from Georgetown again this semester, um, I'm hoping to get into Penn probably to get the, to get them to pay for my tuition, my study through a PhD communication since my journeys has now taken me to doing, I'm doing a lot of work in communication with the podcast and the journals and commentaries and books. One book and another book coming out and take a lot of manuscripts and the way I've been able to, you know, now I want to develop my communication that, you know, extend that. Quite interesting, quite powerful. But I was saying when you stepped away just now, how Excuse me. God has been with me every step of the way. You know, I was saying to you that I left the exchange program, came back to Jamaica, and um, of course I was ordained, became a minister of you. I mean, was ordained finally and um, served as pastor, and then it was, I mean, an amazing experience. But um, I don't think I was fully developed. I made some decisions that pissed off some people. <laughs> and when I think about it now, I'm like, you know, I, I would not have made those decisions. But I was not mature as a pastor. I became a pastor when, I, and I was a senior pastor. I was leading and hope a major congregation in Jamaica. One of the a church that is considered one of the top churches, you know what I mean? You know, you have like, yes, a lot of professionals and so on. I, I, you know, although my work with that church was, I had, a, I did a lot of innovative things. I created a health a clinic. Um, there were a lot of doctors in the in the church, and um, and um, you know, the church grew. A lot of people started. Young people had a lot of activities. It was just a lot happening. People were writing us checks. 
because of what you know it, we were getting it was just we were doing, doing a lot of outreach and it was an amazing time and we I had a lot of things planned but there was a lot of internal infighting you know a lot of things going on in the church and you know some people didn't like a particular kind of crowd so that's how people think racially you know some white people don't want some black people to to it's like some black, even amongst black people. And that's why when I started thinking about this whole idea, my studies I also, uh, about race is a pseudoscience. There's the issue of race. It's, it's, you know, even when you go within the race, there's also this issue of classism. There's always this little privilege. The issue of, and that's why I'm studying privilege now. But within the church, there's this issue of privilege. You know what I mean? Some black people don't want educated black people or black people of a certain pedigree don't want some other black people to worship with them. Or they're from the hood. We don't, I mean, why we have to, okay, yeah, we can do outreach to them. One church lady said to me, we can do outreach to them, but we can, they don't have to be members. They can, we can have them go to another church, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, um, but, um, uh, but, um, you know, but church is also part of culture. You know, so I understand people, they're, they're cultural bases, a cultural people. So it wasn't that, you know, and now I think about it, I said to myself, well, you know, it's, I thought it was bad at the time, but, or it was, she was not being godly, but in a sense, we create the ideas of God in a sense, and, but people have cultural biases and cultural ways and, and so there are people who think that, well, she's from a different culture. Different. If they come into our church, they might change the culture of the church. And they want to preserve the culture of the church. So, she, so if we get these people in, we may probably have them go to a different church that may share the same culture. So she was afraid that the culture and the way in which, the way of worship, the way they will communicate with God and so on, would change. And that's what's happening in society today, you know, when people think about, in, in America today <coughs> the majority is going to be part of the minority and the minority is going to be part of the majority people are thinking the culture might change the way of things might change and so on and so forth so these are real fears that people have you know <coughs> so These are some of the things that we have to uh, contend with. And not just that, but uh, as I was saying, and I'm saying a lot, I'm saying a lot, you know. I'm saying a lot, actually. And, uh, but I've been, I've been, I'm 43 years old and I have been everywhere and I've experienced a lot in my young life. I've done it all. I've done it all. I've worked in every different different factors of the professional world, from the highest levels to the lowest levels, and in between. You know, and my, I've always, oftentimes, said that my father was a jack of all trades. I remember he built a car from 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 scratch. He, you know, he built our house from scratch, designed it, built the roof, designed the roofing, built the furnishing. Not just designed it, but built it, and it was you quite unique. It was a musician. It was a pastor. I mean, you know, he could do. I mean, it was just that you run a business, run a business, you know. And I have some of that pedigree, you know. A musician and writing, and it's just, it's just very dynamic. And I give God thanks to my father. 
and how he invested in me and you know a lot of boys and men like that today in today's world today's society you know you know this you know this fear of this also this this homophobia as well is you know when you know when men and boys would come together and 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 have conversations and and now it's it's been replaced in grand theft auto and video games you know and social media and pe- but people can still social media and have but and then then again you know and this grand theft auto is now creating the, the kind of thefts that's happening in society everywhere and and then again and not only that and you find that more theft going happening in in society so it is as if it's becoming contagious everybody or a lot of young boys it's it's become it's become a fa- it's become the fashionable thing now to steal cars but um but my story is that it's just it's just this is just quite powerful i've been through so much in my life and it's it's and it it's been i've been through so much in my life and i continue to to work hard and to benefit from god's investment in my mind as i continue to dissect society and to develop ideas As we continue to provide ways or tips in which students and especially college students can can have uh, improvements or have success or experience success in terms of realizing their goals, we have been sharing some uh, segments and our episodes that looks at college success and um and i think one of the on the previous episodes we looked at developing a college mindset for college success and my co-host Dante Nelson with who is who is doing a course at Capella University looking at this very same issue looking at psychology and developing that college mindset but um he's been sharing some of his discussions and producing some of these um podcast that facilitate discussions that looking at how one's self-determination how one's attitude your, your one's one's attitude your evaluations about certain ideas and about certain things how one's attitude affect one's altitude and we've been talking about one's one's how it affects your success and we've been talking about studies are showing that say for example um Han Cheon Wu and others that looks at the effects of academic mindset on college students achievement and retention and they produced the journals um looking at how this college mindset can positively affect having a positive uh, mindset and a self concept and attitude can affect one's ability to be able to meet and to adjust to challenges and obstacles and of course so today well we want to look at learning strategies moving moving beyond college a, a college mindset 
towards success and we want to look into learning strategies for college success. And this week I learned that students were successful when they used varied and more effective learning strategies. And that's according to Simsek and Baladin in, in their 2010 article entitled Learning Strategies of Successful and Unsuccessful University Students in a journal in the journal Contemporary Educational Technologies. And it is volume one, issue number one, January 2010, pages 36 to 45. But, but from that article, I learned that students were successful when they used varied and more effective learning strategies. Now, that was according to Simsek and others in their 2010 study among 278 undergraduate students at a university in Turkey. The study's conclusion was supported by previous studies in the field by various researchers and social scientists such as Cho and Han in 2003, Paris and Myers in 1981, and Tate and Enhissel in 1996, which Simsek and Baladin reference in their report of their study. They all came to the same conclusion that is convincing enough to want to include learning strategies in my own work and college journey. And as we think about this, we have to think about it two-pronged. When you think about the learning experience, the learning experience is not just the student. The learning experience is also the teacher who now must understand that his or her role is a facilitator. Now, Simsek also shared the learning strategies, which included one, rehearsal, which is identifying and repeating important concepts, taking personal notes and memorizing, Two, elaboration, which is going beyond the given content, using new words, making comparisons, mental imaging, and writing questions. Three, organization, which includes reviewing and restructuring information, creating tables and classifying or listing. Four is the metacognitive, which I describe as the unexamined life is not worth living, which is Socrates here. And this, this, the metacognitive is the reflective and introspective part where you daily critique and adjust self and strategies. But, you know, some people can get overly critical of themselves. So then there is number five, which is motivational, which deals with reducing stress and redirecting anxiety. The authors had directing, but I will use redirecting. And it also involves, say, for example, one of the ways you reduce stress, stress, Probably might have you have to be more organized, so you create timetables or time you in terms of looking at time management, developing your time management skills, developing interests, and so on. Now, as I read, I thought about it, and I believe I use a lot of rehearsal and elaboration strategies, and it's probably too hard on myself with the metacognitive, but I can do more to add the other strategies and even improve on those that I'm already using. The final takeaway that I was left with in the reading of this article, in addition to the fact that using better and more varied learning strategies is vital for my success, is the idea that everyone is unique and learning that is geared towards students' uniqueness will lead to greater success. But what is it about importantly, importantly, is this question that we are left with. And before I actually, and before I, before I continue, the study that we referenced does not show why students use these a particular kind of learning strategy. 
and the second thing is that we know that the studies suggest that females or found that females were more effective in utilizing better and more varied learning strategies than males which and of course the results also suggest that females were more successful than than males in their in terms of their learning because they were able to use more varied strategies we're not sure why that's the case now question which of these identified strategies do you use um i'm talking about um the motivational the metacognitive the um the organization the elaboration or the rehearsal which of these strategies do you use and which can you incorporate more in your learning now importantly learning involves faith and i'm going to i will conclude here learning involves faith i believe that i can do all things through christ now the readings concerning learning and learning goals were organized around the concept that learning is not a heavy-handed or top-down approach that relies on the teacher and that is why i uh, and that's why i particularly am very happy that programs online programs such as capella could organize in um their teaching beginning look with looking at developing the student's self confidence developing the student's self concept developing the student's college identity and college mindset and the readings are is geared towards learning involves faith i believe that i can do all things through christ learning is not a heavy-handed or a top-down approach that relies on the teacher in fact teaching seems to be a facilitative role in learning especially in online learning where the students and the college collegiate where the students at the collegiate levels have the power to chart their own course and are ultimately responsible for their learning and their success guided by the professor who is a facilitator it is quite interesting living what is being read as my academic mentor has been helping me with implementing learning strategies especially using rehearsal elaboration and organizational strategies as advanced by Alice Simsek and others in the PDF article entitled Learning Strategies of Successful and Unsuccessful University Students. As someone who needs lots of catching up and adjustment, it is also great to have a major support such as a mentor to guide and guide that face-to-face support and motivation which JN Gardner and BO Barefoot in their work Understanding Your College Experience Strategies for Success 3rd Edition. Others suggested are just as vital in succeeding college. 
Simsek and others based on based their study conducted among college undergraduate students concluded that students who create used effective strategies and have support and motivation seem to do better than others who don't. The article goes on to say that this is this may stem from having past experiences of utilizing strategies of having the right support around you and drove home the point that self-determination and belief in self is vital. Indeed, it is also a matter of faith. I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. And this faith relies on action and responsibility. By Dante T. Nelson, inspired by Ronaldo C. McKenzie.